This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back. No, not to another episode of Green and White, but back to the top of Skybet League One. A 3-1 win over naval rivals Portsmouth sees Argyle pick up our 42nd point at home park this season. Only one loss from 15. And more importantly, eight points clear of Ipswich in third. Joining me this week are Dan Ellard. How are you? Very good. How are you? Yeah, good. Finn, all good? Yeah, good, thank you. And of course, Joe Bell. Long time no speak. Oh, it's been all of a couple of days. Exactly. Obviously, we're on our new Sunday recording schedule. Puts us slightly out of uh, place on Tuesday when we play Oxford, but don't worry about that. Obviously, let's just get straight into it. The 3-1 win over Portsmouth. Who wants to take uh, the initial thoughts first? Joe? That was a strange day for many reasons. When you think that we, us and Portsmouth, have both been on the same journey now for about a decade, and you think that they came down to join us in League Two. We went through the promotion together, um, obviously with them pipping us to the title on the last day. We then came up to League One and you thought, right, that's it. You know, of, of both the two clubs at that time, who were going to be the ones to kick on? Who were going to be the ones to become a driving force? You'd have probably said Portsmouth out of the two, foot, out of the two clubs. One relegation later and another promotion later, and we are now light years ahead of them. It's scarcely believable, the golfing class that we saw on Saturday. Um, I'm going to be incredibly partisan. If that had finished 8-1, Portsmouth could not have complained. Like, it was an onslaught. We had our first shot after nine seconds. Like, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that certainly not in this fixture um it was wave after wave of attack um first half i think they were uh portsmouth weren't brave enough on the ball i thought we were we were in their faces one nil was probably just about right because when you think on the balance of chances we didn't actually create a whole amount in the first half um and then second half, that first 15 minutes was just chance after chance after chance. We should have been out of sight, which then opens you up to any sort of onslaught from Portsmouth towards the end. Luckily, we got the second goal through Finizaz. 
um, who made a real difference coming off the bench, just gave us another level to our play. Um, and then somehow we managed to contrive to let them back into the game from nothing. Um, I think it's just a ricochet off Nigel Lomvike that it falls to the lad at the back post and he just hammers it past Burton. Um, they then threw the kitchen sink, the team bus, um, even Sean Raggett at one point threw himself towards goal, trying to get a penalty. Um, and then fortunately, we were all served hot dogs in the 95th minute and the roof came off home park. But um, yeah, th- I actually, I'm one of very few people who perhaps thinks three ones flattering on Portsmouth um, because I think the golfing class that we saw on Saturday was a lot bigger than three one. Um, that was the Argyle that we saw earlier in the season go top of the league. That was the attacking Argyle we saw go top of the league. And hopefully this is the start of a brilliant run that will take us to the championship. And who knew, Aaron, after all those podcasts talking about it, that Ryan Hardy and Sam Cosgrove would be such a potent attacking threat from the first whistle. It's almost like we've preempted it. Although, to be fair, it hadn't worked in previous iterations. It's a shame John's not here, because I know how much a fan he is seeing Sam Cosgrove start a game of football. Any Anything to add there, Dan? Yeah, well, you say about 8-1, Joe. I mean, it, it, was, um, it, it could well have been, but at the same time, I was sitting there in perhaps the kind of 85th minute, absolutely convinced that it was going to finish 2-2, as this fixture often has done in the past couple of years. Thankfully, it didn't happen on this occasion and it would have been a a steal, as you say, to get for them to come out with it with a point. Um, I thought quite a telling thing was that their keeper seemed to be time wasting from about minute nine, I think was the first kind of count that I saw. Like, really, have you fallen that far that, you know, you're now having to come away to little old Plymouth Argyle and play for a point. But there we go. That was quite nice. Um, the, the, the main other thing to add, I think, is a kind of wider point. Um, and I hope I'm not preempting one of your questions here, Aaron, although I might be, is um, about um, some of the players that started, that it would have been, been easy to think a matter of weeks ago that they are properly kind of fringe players or kind of squad players that might not even make the bench some weeks. So obviously Callum Burton through necessity, um, Matt Butcher, possibly even the two strikers, if you think Ennis and the kind of um, hype around Ben Wayne. So a lot of those players, Mikel Miller as well being the other one, you're kind of thinking at, at points in January, well, do do we need some of these players? You know, are they kind of surplus to requirements? They all came in yesterday and all did a really, really good job, which was great to see. Yeah, you've obviously preempted it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Anything to add there, Finn? Or should I ask you the question about the eight changes? I, I, just a little bit more to add, I think. I think for me, like, because I haven't watched a lot of Argyle this season. And obviously, I've only seen how poor Portsmouth has been doing up until a point. Like, I think that for, for Portsmouth fans and for Argyle fans combined, really, I think it was a moment for both fans to re- actually realise like the pennies dropped here like this is how far we are actually ahead of them like because although like we played them in what is it September the 2-2 draw again obviously um, and it, they were top of the league then um, and they had a good start and then obviously they've gone on a really bad run and we've carried on and you know kind of blown the league by storm a bit but it was kind of the first time I felt like 
yeah, we, we, we are actually, if you couldn't see it in the table already, we are actually this, we are actually a lot better than these guys, you know? And that's like, I've never been able to say that. In fact, there's been years where I've basically wished that we're as good as them, but now we are so much better than them. You know, it's kind of, it was kind of quite stark really. And the, the, the difference in class just kind of, you couldn't see the infrastructure, but when you see Portsmouth fans on social media and things talk about their owners and things, I just think they've, they've got a lot, to, they've got a lot of catching up to do. When one, at one point it felt like that was the, that, that was us, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. The only other times I can think of when we've really kind of been able to dominate them were, um, there was one game under Sheridan, I think when we beat them three nil and that was, that was very kind of comfortable and convincing, um and before that it was probably the the game when again it was three nil but they had to play an entire youth team you know so that doesn't really count but we it it was yeah like you say really kind of apparent on on saturday at this time things can change quickly obviously but at this time how much better than we are that's the point isn't it if you look at both starting 11s yesterday particularly given we made eight changes, albeit two were enforced, or two were enforced that we know of. There may have been more, but they didn't really touch on injuries and things after the game with Schumacher. You'd have looked at both sets of players and you'd have looked for certain players to stand up and really take control of the game. So that Argyle starting 11 yesterday, you'd have looked at people like Wilson, Gillespie, Edwards, Randall, and one of Cosgrove and Hardy, right, you guys have to be on top of your game today if we're going to be very competitive in this. And they all were. And then you look at the Portsmouth side, and they have been looking at Raggett, Tunnycliffe, Pack, Morell, Bishop and Jacobs. And if truth be told, Marlon Pack was irrelevant in the game and is blatantly at fault for the third goal. For him to turn around and have a go at their young keeper for not coming out to Ryan Hardy after he makes no effort whatsoever to track Hardy is just a disgrace. Tony Cliff, I didn't even realise he was on the pitch. Bishop didn't really have any purchase out of the defenders until the end when they were just launching everything into our box. Jacobs has passed it. And... The two centre-halves that they play, Towler, who's more worried about wheels and doors on social media, and Sean Raggett, who's probably still living off one half decent FA Cup run with Lincoln. That's the only reason he's still got a career in the Football League. I mean, their, their side at the moment just ma is made up of slow players. And they had no answer to Argo yesterday. Bearing in mind, we essentially played with no midfield yesterday. And yet we still dominated the game. Like, if I'm a Portsmouth fan, I'd be really worried at that yesterday. John Massinho came out and tried to blow smoke up their rear end, saying that there were real positives to take out of the game. By a 10-minute spell, when we let them back in at the end, I, I didn't see anything for Portsmouth to take out of that yesterday. And that just shows the difference in the two sides now. You say, obviously, about the difference in the two sides. I've always quite liked Sean Raggett, but just because of our similar looks. And just every time we play Portsmouth, he seems to be on top of his game. He always seems to snatch a goal. And to be fair, every time I've seen him play, he's looked all right. But yeah, he's just, he's just living off past memories. I think you're right there. Obviously, you say about the squad depth, we made eight changes. I obviously don't want to go through them individually. I think Dan's already mentioned most of them. But which, which one of the, the eight impressed you the most? I'll give you one each. Finn, do you want to go first? 
yeah, well, plainly for me, Mikel Miller, because I haven't seen him play. Like, no one's seen him play, really, unless you pro- saw a little bit in pre-season, which you can't really judge anything on. And then 45 minutes at Burton before he went off injured again. And, like, we... Like, we like the, the reviews he came to Argyle with from Rotherham fans was like, if this guy can stay fit, he's championship quality. And like that was proven to me yesterday. It's like, again, if this guy can stay fit, he'll be a huge asset for us going into the final 15 games of the season or whatever it is. Um, yeah, he was just really, really good. And, and you know, to, to you know, Bali Mumba's been one of our best players this season. Um, you know, some people would even say the best, but to not have even really missed him yesterday, I think says quite a lot about Miller's performance, especially when he hasn't played any football um, for like six months. Yeah, exactly. I think the glimpses that I've seen him, especially like, like Burton away, that like you said, that like 45 or whatever it was, he just looked incredible. And then he's just like disappears for three months. So let, let's hope that he can just stay fit. Joe, go to you next. Good, because that means Dan can have what's left. Uh, I'm going to go with Matt Butcher, um, who I've been a little bit critical of, um, mainly because we only ever seem to see 45 minutes out of him. Um, And then he gets hooked in most games that he starts. Um, I actually thought yesterday was comfortably his most effective and best game in an Argyle shirt. Um, I know I'm sort of contradicting myself, the fact that I've chosen a midfielder, and I've just mentioned that we didn't have a midfield for the whole of the game. Um, but actually, I think whenever we were going forward, strange enough, you could look up and actually you often saw the number seven shirt trying to get forward and he was always trying to be on the end of it. He had he almost got on the end of a rebound from the keeper from a Cosgrove effort in the first half. Um, I think he was very unlucky to pick up a yellow card yesterday after the referee had got giddy after he'd finally gone to his pocket. Um and actually, towards the end, he was quite an important player at the back, um, dealing with the kitchen sink when it was thrown at us. So, yeah, I think yesterday we we saw perhaps the player that the management knew they'd signed in Butcher. Um, and hopefully this is the first of a few decent performances between now and May. Yeah, you're right in what you say about him just constantly getting hooked. He seems to always be the first man off, whereas obviously yesterday that was... Randall for Matete, right? Which obviously that was a, a great change as well. So, um, yeah, Dan, go on then. You're left with six other choices. Yeah. Can I cheat slightly? Because it's not technically one of the six, but it is a positional change enforced by one of those changes. Um, all, the, all the other six were, were, were good to, to varying degrees. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy with those. But I think um, Joe and Finn did take the best two. So, so mine is actually... Um, James Wilson, who obviously did play at Sheffield Wednesday, but the fact that Dan Scar was out meant that we had Wilson playing as that middle centre-back in the three, um, which I I thought he did really, really well there. Um, Obviously, the fact that he can just kind of stay centrally, doesn't have to um, advance the ball or play a bit higher up or play more um, perhaps adventurous passes um, as he would do if he was playing as an outside centre-back, I think really suits his style you know we we've commented on the fact that maybe his distribution isn't the best there's a few too many kind of cross field kind of Peter Hartley-esque shanks a few times um so this you know the fact that he can now 
stay central, still offer as much kind of um, defensive quality as, as he does anyway. But when he's picking up the ball, it's either a, it, it's, you know, most of the time, it's just a simple um, short pass to, to one of his outside centre backs. And that, I think, suits his game. Uh, we still get the best of him whilst not having to um, rely on a part of this game, which isn't as good. So um, that would be... That, that would be that would be my answer if I can cheat slightly. Uh, although Lonvike playing right centre back, I thought did a a good job as well, especially in the second half. Yeah, I I just also add to that that like when Dansgar was injured, like earlier in the season as well, I think a lot of us were saying why is Schumacher playing Lonvike in the middle when the obvious choice would be to play Wilson, and I think like we've all said like. He's a very solid defender. Not that Lonvike isn't, but when when he plays well, but I just don't think he's as consistent as as Wilson, for example. Lonvike so, and Gillespie are the ball players there, right? Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Scott's like pure defensive ability. I don't think that James Wilson would have a problem playing in the championship. In terms he might get found out when it comes to his pace and um we all know that he's also had in his touch would stayed fit up like uh when he's played for Argyle, but up until he's playing for Argyle, he had quite a few injury problems as well. And he's he's aging. But in general, he's a very good defender and someone I think if he plays in the middle of like my my worry with Scar was is he I think he's our best defender, obviously, in the middle. My worry with him being injured was is Schumacher going to continue playing Lonvike? in the middle and um, because if he does I think we'll have a few more problems than we need but if Wilson is now decide, decided to play in the middle then I think we'll be okay. Uh, Dan you, you you touched on it there with you, when you said positional change for Wilson obviously we changed to a front two um, I'm going to go to the Twitter questions now they worked last week and we got we got <laughs> quite a few this week so I'm just going to go straight to them. Uh, Miss Foxtrot Whisk uh, Strictly Plymouth asks, should Shuey play two strikers up front for the rest of the season? It worked a treat yesterday. It depends, would be my answer to that. And that depends on which strikers we have available and um, and which ones we want to start. Obviously, you know, having four, potentially four very good strikers means we can rotate, chop and change or whatever. Um, but given the options we had available yesterday, I think Niall Ennis is our best all-round striker and as a result uh, we can play one up front and have proved this season to be very successful playing one up front at home winning 14 games out of 15 mostly playing that 3-4-2-1 system Um, it allows us to have two um, attacking midfielders behind that and and utilize certainly I'm thinking if we can get Azaz and Callum Wright on the pitch at the same time let's do that as more often than not Um, but whilst Niall Ennis um, isn't available um, and it's perhaps not in a game where we really want to like pack the midfield or, um, you know, we're up against a real low block that might utilise Cosgrove in the penalty area. I think it was absolutely the right call yesterday to play two up front. Um, and we saw early on, especially in the first 10 minutes, just how, how direct we were going. It was really kind of straight up to Cosgrove and Hardy, lots of balls to feet, balls to head, balls over the top for Hardy to chase. Um, and we were really, really effective at it. Um, they 
the kind of interchange with, with the two of them was was good and they did, and we were able to play to their strengths without them being um isolated in a way that one up front can isolate a, a lone striker so uh to answer their question sometimes there was a there was a bit of clamor on social media afterwards about about keeping cosgrove i'm not really sure that's gonna be possible obviously it all depends on birmingham's financial status come come what he's way. also on a hell of a lot of money reportedly exactly reportedly um football manager backs that up as well i don't know how <laughs> how legit that is but um, yeah, obviously, like I said, there's a bit of clamour to keep him. Um, did we see on Saturday that he's more of a poacher than a target man? Did, you know, did we get did we get him wrong, or have, uh, or have, have I got him wrong? Yeah, well, I, I think like if I look at Sam Cosgrove, I think he is the best all round striker we have at the club. He's probably the best finisher. He's got a very good head, heading ability. He's not, he's not like ridiculously slow. Um, you know, he's not quick, but he can beat a man. Um, like, but the problem is, is that sometimes I have is that when we start Cosgrove, particularly in that one striker formation, we sometimes feel like we have to go long. And it worked against um, Portsmouth yesterday, in my opinion, because as we, as Joe touched on, they haven't got a lot of pace. So we were able to go direct and get Hardy running in behind. And I think that was kind of the game plan looking back yesterday. But I think, yeah, and I would I would agree with Dan that it's very circumstantial. Like if we played one a one striker formation, if Niall Ennis is fit, I would say he's the best fit for that system. However, against teams like Pompey who don't have a lot of pace at the back, maybe Cosgrove and Hardy is where you go. Yeah, interesting that you call him the best all-round striker after Dan said that Niall Ennis is our best all-round striker. Um, I'm sure Joe would say Ryan Hardy is our best all-round striker, and I'm just going to say Ben Wayne. Why not? <laughs> uh, obviously, Azaz's first league goal since that screamer at the Mem, if I've got it right, and I normally get corrected and have to edit it out. Uh, Joe, do you want to talk us through his and the other subs' impact from the bench? Obviously, Schumacher's got form in, in decent subs. I mean, everyone who came off the bench, like everyone who started, made a real difference. I thought, yeah, as I said earlier, I think Finizaz really gave us a, a different level when he came off the bench yesterday. Um, I thought Callum Wright had a very good game. Um, I'm not taking anything away from him, but Azaz just seemed to really drive us forward um, with a real intent yesterday. Um, the, the, his goal was a bit of a blur to me because I remember him tapping it away, but I couldn't quite remember how he managed to pick it up at the time. Um, because, of course, when you're jumping around like a lunatic in the stands and you're celebrating, you, you seem to forget these sorts of things. So um, I had to watch it back uh, earlier on today. And if you watch it, when Raggett initially gains possession, Finazaz is on him very quickly. Like he is still sprinting from when he initially gave the ball through towards Hardy. Um, it was a big gamble from Azaz to keep running at that speed because if Raggett had controlled it and gone past him, then he could have got forward. Um, it was a very calm finish. He just creates, doesn't he? Like he's got so much ability on the ball. He's got so much talent, so much quality. Um, I actually was talking to a friend of mine as we left the stadium on Saturday um about the prospect that now that Aston Villa are almost certain to stay in the Premier League 
Um, Finazaz is likely, if he's not in Unai Emery's plans next year, to have a championship loan move. Um, you know, there's going to be one club who he has a pretty good understanding of who will be playing championship football next year. So I'd like to think that Argyle have, will be having so, similar conversations this summer to what they had last summer. Um because we're clearly doing something right for his development, aren't we? It makes a lot of sense too, right? He's had a he's had a loan spell in League Two. He's had a loan spell in League One. The next move is the Championship. Before he, I thought before so. Prem. I'd have thought so because although I think he's a good player, I do think he does have his limitations. Um, and I think what, what are they? It's a very good question. At times, he can be overconfident on the ball. I think. If there's such a thing, I think at times perhaps he he can overplay it. Um, he obviously has to prove himself at championship level as well. Let's not forget that. Like he is contracted to a Premier League club. If you were to hold a gun to my head now and say, is he worthy of a place in a Premier League squad next year? When you think the money that Aston Villa have behind them and the quality they've brought in in recent transfer windows, he isn't going to be near their 25-man Premier League squad. So next year, he's going to have to go out and get some games somewhere. And as you say, it, it makes sense for a championship loan move next year. And being with my green-tinted glasses on, it makes sense for it to be with Argo. Because he, he'll be settled in the area. He knows the area. You know, he, I don't know where he's living, but I'm sure he'd be able to get the same place again next year. And it, it'd just be a perfect fit. So I, I just think they should just go ahead now, both clubs, and announce the deal that he's staying with us to the end of next season. Um, and then when his contract runs out, he can join us permanently, and we'll build a statue of him in ten years' time when he's taken us to the Champions <laughs> League final. <laughs> I'm getting ca- I'm getting carried away. I'm getting carried away. But look, yeah, you've been playing the, a the main, football the, manager there, I think, haven't you? <laughs> the main the main point about it is this lad has got all the ability in the world. He's got so much quality at this level, and we should enjoy it for the rest of the season. But if we go up next year, I wouldn't be surprised if we're enjoying him in an Argyle shirt for another 46 games. There's a man in Villa's squad that proves that, you know, tearing the championship apart doesn't always mean Premier League success in Emi Buendia, right? You know, absolutely incredible in the championship and then basically gone fairly missing, let's be honest, in the Premier League. Same yeah. with Adam Armstrong and, and off the top of my head, Jed Spence and that, you know, those sorts of players. There's a whole host of them, aren't there, that are just far too good for the championship but not quite up to Premier League level. You, you could include Norwich and Burnley and clubs in that, but that I see I see the point you're trying to make. I, I would I would say just another point on his as I think his main um, weakness is actually consistency, and that's why 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 he's at this level right now because like you said he's got he's got he's got all the attributes to be able to. You know, play at a higher level, play championship football consistent, um, consistently. I'm not going to say you know he'll play in the Premier League because, you know, that is a that's another level. But, the, but yeah, he's a he's a ridiculously talented player. And and to be honest, it was mo- the main reason why I wasn't too worried about Morgan Whitaker leaving was because Finazaz was coming back at that at that time. Um, and I don't yeah I don't think Morgan Whitaker. You know, we've kind of moved on from him now, but he did score a lot of goals for Argyle, put in some decent performances. But I don't think now, with the addition of Callum Wright as well, and obviously Finazaz coming back into his best form um, since his injury, I think I think we'll be all right. 
That goes to that goes to the same as um, our other lone players, right? We're basically watching the championship playoffs to see who goes up, to see who we get back, right? Like <laughs> yeah. Norwich, whether that's Norwich or Sunderland or who else have we? Or Birmingham aren't going up, so you know. <laughs> My dad won't like me for saying it, um, but I'd love to see Sunderland get promoted this season via the playoffs. Go on, Tony Mowbray. I'd love that. I'd happily take Matete back for a season. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd entertain the idea. Let's let's jump to another Twitter question. Let's go to one from PAFC Displays. Obviously, the legends that uh, put together huge banners and TFOs and and everything. Um, hopefully, we'll get them on a pod. They said before the game yesterday, would you have rather been second and nine points clear a third, or uh, as we are now, top and eight points clear a third? I'm not sure there's a huge load of difference, but Finn, go on. No, I think I think the results went as perfectly as they could yesterday. When like, Argyle's win, Derby losing, and um, the big one for me actually um, yesterday was Derby losing. Uh, really, because like you know, it was like well, well, we know we know Ipswich have been on a bit of a downer in form for for weeks, really. Um, so and then obviously Derby have had this like really good run of form and. You know, a few people have started to... I wasn't quite at that point yet, but few, given that we still got them to play as well fairly soon, people were starting to get a little bit jittery. But then you see them come up against Wickham yesterday and, um, you know, th- their first proper test in a while and they lost. So that that also, you know, reassures us, I think, a bit. But I think, yeah, I think, no, it doesn't really matter. And I think the results went as well as they could really yesterday. Yeah, obviously Peterbrook had not got smashed 5 0. That would have been brilliant. But uh, yeah, yeah, apart from that, I mean, the next question from Andros, um, two and two from Andros, uh, after getting a question answered last week, um, I was going to say for Sam Down, but he put, obviously pulled out. So I'll give it to you, Dan, because I, I know Joe is already, but Andros has asked, can we start believing? Oh, blimey. I'm the wrong person to ask that because I'm a natural panicker, I think. But uh, yeah, objectively, yes, we absolutely can. Um, That game ticker seems to be going awfully slowly, just like the clock was at times yesterday when it was 2-1. It's still a hell of a long way to go. But yeah, I think so. It's a horrible thing to think because, you know, I've I've been here before and, I, you know, Derek Adams' first season, I was believing and then... um, you know, last season I was very much believing as well, and and those seasons ended in in crushing disappointment both times. Um, so yeah, cautiously, but yeah, why why not? Why not? All we can do is watch and hope. But the that league table looks phenomenal right now. So yeah, why not? Let's get like Joe was getting carried away. Let's let's all get carried away. I'm well aware this is going to get clipped up, but I'm very, very confident. I, I, like, if we weren't Plymouth Argyle, I'd say we're probably going up. But I've seen it too many times. We've all seen it too many times to, you know, say that. But I, I think you know we are we are in as good a position as we could possibly be at the moment with momentum behind us and new signings playing well and, you know, having beaten Portsmouth, who we've had a we've had a scrap with you know for for a, a, like a long time now and beating them fairly easy it just I, I have confidence in the fact that Stephen Schumacher is a very very good manager as well and um that he will get us over the line but you know I'm also 
aware that we have just lost Michael Keeper and all of these things as well. So it's not all said and done, but I'm as confident as I could be at the moment, I think. I've saved the best Twitter question till last for you, Joe. Um, Sam Barker has asked, how many chocolate bars have you ordered? And I'm going to couple that with my own question, right? Is Pilgrim Pete genuinely the best mascot in world football? What a guy. <laughs> what a guy. Have you have you deliberately saved the chocolate bar question for me? Have you? Isn't there, isn't there anything we, we... that Pilgrim Pete can't do? He's so now... you're gonna avoid you're gonna avoid the counter question I just thrown back at you. You're gonna try and divert. Of course I've saved it. I feel like you would have asked the other two pretty obviously. I feel like we've heard your answers on those before. So um yeah, look, it's I don't know why we're discussing this on on podcast. Um I thought uh, I don't know look, why we're play. discussing Pilgrim Pete's incredible drumming skills to sell chocolate yeah. bars. Well Come. done, Woody. Well done, Woody. I think he's sort of let Pete. Yeah, okay. Um this is this is lunacy. This is almost as bad as talking about whether our dip in form and clean sheets was because Michael Cooper did a TikTok dance video. Yeah. Do you like how I save all the best questions for you? Unbelievable. Anyway, um, so whilst, whilst we're on the topic anyway, let, let's ask you a serious question. Obviously, a new drum. You. A new drum hmm. given to us by uh, Woody, aka Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, better atmosphere. Obviously, I wasn't at Home Park on Saturday, but any improvements on that front? Yeah, I mean, the noise was pretty good after the goals um there were times again where it was flat and i just think i'd go back to what i said a couple of weeks ago where i just think people aren't used to us being on 64 points after however many games it is like with this isn't a position we usually find ourselves in and i do honestly think people are just so nervous that it's all going to go pear-shaped um the ground what i will say the ground was very quick to cotton on to the changes and events at portman road um so as soon as it became apparent that we were top of the league, they wanted to make sure that everyone inside Home Park knew that for however long it was, we were top of the league, um, which was quite funny. Um, and actually, you know, we I don't know whether any of them will be brave enough to listen, but credit to the 1,599 or however many it was came from Portsmouth yesterday because they didn't have a great amount to celebrate and get behind, but they didn't stop all game. Um, and you know, they they helped create the atmosphere. And I did notice actually as they walked off, Stephen Schumacher was applauding the away support. Um, and it's not the first time that he's mentioned away followings, um, and then adding to the atmosphere. So, yeah, look, the new drum's great. I'm sure in later on down the line, when things become a little bit more easier for us on our route to the championship, that the atmosphere will get better at home park. Um, But as I said a couple of weeks ago, when we discussed this in depth, Aaron, I do think still people are just a little bit nervous to get carried away just in case we're left with egg on our faces. Um, Although it was quite funny being at Hillsborough last week, watching their celebrations um, only for them to be knocked off top perch seven days later. I did have a little smile to myself last night. Obviously, during the week, we announced a new sponsorship deal with Bond Timber, a return to a sponsor that is synonymous with arguably the worst times as an Argyle fan. Not even arguably, the worst times as an Argyle fan. Let's just start off with a nice, easy one. 
as as we love the banter era. Favorite banter era player? Maddie J. Sakuna. Maddie Sakuna, you beat me to it. That's really annoying. I'll go down to Ben Sharif. Oh, that was mine. You've taken mine. <laughs> um, oh, blimey. Um, I'll go for Andres Guerrieri and Maxime Blanchard for the fact that every time we won a game, no matter how unimportant, they'd be doing like laps of honour and like jumping around like we just won the title when we'd beaten Dagenham 2-1 at home or something like that. So, yeah. Andres Guerrieri was like the precursor to Lemiras, though, right? He was like the... He... He was the power Yes. It's a simple one for me, Neil Trotman. I was going to say, Neil Trotman, but yeah, great big, no nonsense centre half, Sheridan's type of player, even though they seem to fall out every week. Um, (laughs) It just big John. Yeah, just Neil Trotman. What a great few months that was. I was going to change my answer to Neil Trotman because I actually sponsored his shorts. I I spent my birthday money. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I never actually got the shorts. I got my name in the program, and I have the program here somewhere. Um, and I would dig that out because that's good memories. God, apparently Sheridan once said to him um, in a in a I think it was like a post match thing in the dressing room or something. Um, if you couldn't head the ball, you'd be pulling effing pints. <laughs> His so, pints, probably. Well, yes, quite. He's but, not wrong. Uh, yeah. he'd, he'd be great in the far post club. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah. I don't want to slag off Bomb Timber at all because, uh, I mean, the shirts we had back then were bad. They've had a rebrand. We've we've had a lot better ones recently. We're in a much better era. Uh, hopefully, they'll be synonymous with us staying in the championship or making the championship playoffs or going up to the Premier League. Uh, you know, if they continue the partnership. And 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 you know, I can't slate a company who gave us money in our darkest time, and then yeah. um, managed to secure our biggest ever sponsorship deal not sure what's going on with ginsters there surely they've got a few more pounds than bond timber but who knows i I think that's that's about it on the matter i don't know if you guys have anything else to add but yeah well you know it's it's only it's only us going wow it's only us you know argyle fans having a bit of banter i think about those times you know that that now we we are in such a good time and they're sponsoring us again but if you look at it plainly it's like you know it's a local business um who are obviously dedicated to, to to giving the club money and you know you know as a fan as a fan all you all you want is is your club to do as, as best as best as possible and a huge part of that is sponsorships and having you know having having also sponsorships that will stick by the club um and Bon Timber did did through those times. So yeah, it's all good in, in my opinion really. Bon Timber's another Cornish um, sponsor, front of shirt sponsor, though, right? Are they, are they Cornish? Why can't we have any uh, somebody properly local? <laughs> they're just, they're like just rig- over the bridge, I think. Like but, a Wrigley's yeah. or a or a Farley's Rusk. Our, 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 our if 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 our, if we were sponsored by Wrigley's, our um, our shirts would be scented with a permanent bubble gum scent. I reckon. I think they'd be great. They'd be mint. <laughs> but yeah, as long as we don't return to wooden dugouts, I'm, I'm pretty happy with I it. quite liked them. They were they were kind of, yeah, kind of novel. I thought they were all right. They're very novel. Yeah. yeah sort of a bit different. Word for they are different, yeah. Um, and, you know, different cells in the world of football. But um, yeah, hopefully we can uh, 
we can inspire better memories in these kits than we did in the last lot. We've got proper dugout. We got proper seats in the dugout now. Yeah, I, I, I don't think Princess Yachts would be too happy if we ripped out their leather-clad soft padding for uh, timber. But we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? If it brings us luck, I don't really care. Obviously, we touched on the, the eight changes already, but how many changes do we expect ahead of, obviously, Oxford on Tuesday? Big game. Obviously, a huge squad rotation. Uh, we were talking before we started recording. It wouldn't surprise me if Caleb Roberts and, I don't know, Freddie Osaka started um, with Adam Parks in goal. Um, obviously, a big game on Tuesday, right? A bit quick turnaround at the Casa. Got to back it up. Got to back up yesterday's win. Um, uh, as you know, I do not make squad predictions anymore because I'm just fed up of Shuey tearing up every idea that I come up with. Um, but what I will say with every, with great amount of confidence is there will be three or four players who featured in the 18 yesterday who will not be in the 18 on Tuesday night. Um, that's just the way it's going to be for the rest of the season. Um, if you are asking me for any idea of what it would be, I'd be surprised if Mikel Miller featured just because obviously we're going to be trying to manage him now. Um, fingers crossed, touch wood, that he comes out of the weekend fine and there's no reaction to the performance. Um, could we maybe see a rotation with the centre-halves as well? Because obviously we'd be, unless Gillespie's, they're happy with Gillespie's workload. I know they've said they're going to manage him. I'd expect full rotation in midfield. Houghton will probably come back in. Um, and Houghton, yeah, you know. Houghton, Matete start, right? I'd have thought so. I think that's probably the way we'll go. Um, and then it'll be interesting to see what he does up front. Be interesting to see whether he sticks with the Hardy Cosgrove partnership with one in behind or whether he just resort, resorts to what's got us to this position with having the two players in behind just the one striker um but yeah i, I look forward to 6 45 on tuesday night because god knows what we're going to end up with but you know yet again he is right we we criticized him last week for his team selection and how he you know he accepted that at halftime and made changes this week he deserves full praise because you could have asked all 16,000 to name the team. Nobody would have got it, um, but he was vindicated. So I'm sure whatever team he puts out on Tuesday night will be more than good enough to beat Carl Robinson and wipe that smug smile off his arrogant face, perhaps. I'm not a fan of Carl Robinson, as you can tell. Hopefully. I was just about to ask Dan about Carl Robinson's future. So um, obviously, like any, obviously... Any game of Oxford. I don't think I've ever seen us win there. I think I've been there three times. And I seem to miss... Are you the not w- there for the Sonny Bradley header? No, I, I seem to miss all the wins. So, yeah. hence I'm not going on Tuesday just to see... Thank God for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, how, any any pre-match thoughts, Dan, ahead of this one? Obviously, Carl Robinson uh, not doing a great job. Is it second time around at Oxford? I, I, I kind of lose track, I think, to be honest. I'm not sure, but he's certainly he spent a while there. Joe, is, it, is that right? I don't think he's left. I don't know. Okay, anyway. Sorry, I'm not... I think he is. Because I think he went, to Charles, he went to Charlton after MK Dons, didn't he? And then I think he's ended up at Oxford oh, yeah. and he's been there ever since. But they've obviously not progressed since he's been there. So I don't know why he's still there. Four defeats in a draw in their last five, right? Uh-oh. Yeah, <laughs> As, as Joe said, we need to back it up, really. 
you know, I, I don't want to kind of say spout an after the Lord Mayor show cliche or something like that, but I think just back it up with with four points out of it out of Oxford and Fleetwood, that would be absolutely fine. Um, our away form, it seems a, a daft thing to say, given that um, I believe I'm right in saying Sheffield Wednesday was our first away loss since August. Is that right? Or in the league, certainly. Um, but but at the same time, there have been a lot of draws in there. So whilst our away form isn't certainly not worrying and it's certainly not, you know, um, of course, it's going to be not as good as our home form, 14 wins out of 15. But um, it, it would be nice to it'd be nice to chalk up a, a couple more away wins. And it would be important as well to, before the end of the season. You know, if we if we go through a few more um away games where we don't win, that's going to start putting a lot of pressure on the home games um, as we come to kind of crunch time in the season. So, um, like I say, four points out of Oxford and Fleet would be would be absolutely fine, but it would it'd be great to get another three and just maintain or hopefully increase that gap. Yeah, obviously, I don't think we're going to reconvene before Fleetwood. Well, we don't know. We'll see how we get on at Oxford first. If we go win that 4-5 now, then maybe. But um, obviously, Finn, I'll, I'll leave the Fleetwood preview to you. Obviously, I mentioned it in the intro, uh, one one loss at home Park all season. Before the game at Hillsborough, they'd taken off they'd taken more points off us than the top six combined. Any any potential banana skin? Not really. We're bound to um to, to lose another game at home but between now and the end of the season, because you know, that is just if we if we end the season with only one lot, that is incredible. So we are bound to lose at least one. However, our home form is so good that even though Fleetwood somehow beat us uh, on the second game of the season, um, I would not expect anything other than a, than a win there. Um, and, and, and to be honest, we're in a position now where, you know, you look at Oxford's position in the table and they're 16th and they're not going down, probably they're not going up kind of thing. So it's like, but it's still, Oxford always has that air of sort of a tough away game to it. Um, I, in my opinion, I don't know if that's just me. Um, so I definitely take I I take point for the rest of the season. I take points uh, away from home and wins at home, and that would be enough um, to get us there. Um, uh, but I potential banana skin maybe because they beat us at the start of the season, but literally that was the second game of the season. Um, so I don't really see it. I think if we if we play against the majority of the teams because we played. The you know the most of the top sides already against the majority of the teams that we play now. As long as we put in a good performance, we should win the game because we're good. You got to remember the Kassam Stadium is an intimidating place to go when those three sides are rocking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very true. So it could be a tough game, but I I would expect us to probably get a result of some sort there. It could then... also be our last ever trip to the Kassam should their new stadium plans go through. Um, obviously, I would argue one of the worst places to go in the football league, and yeah. that's not that's not yeah. a reflection on Oxford itself or their fans or anything. It's just yeah, but the grounds the grounds not anywhere. you can't the get, grounds not in Oxford, so you can make it a reflection on Oxford because uh, it's yeah. not in Oxford. It's near it's nearest. It must be the football ground closest to a sewage plant, maybe Rochdale. Stench on the way through. Oh, there there is a Hollywood Bowl, so I'll give them that. But like, yeah. oh, knock it down. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, this is so getting clipped for, for 10 o'clock on Tuesday night when Oxford have done us 1-0 and here we go, you know, these Plymouth fans taking a mick out of us, yeah. Carl Robinson can put it in his filing cabinet that he so famously referenced last oh, week. Oh, yes, yes. Maybe his, resume's, re, maybe his resume's in there and he can dig it out for a new job after the end of this season. <laughs> clipped. And I think we'll call it a night there. Uh, cheers, guys. Thanks for hopping on. Cheers, guys. Cheers, thank you. See you next week, Aaron. See you soon. Bye. Bye. With that brings a close to another Green and White pod brought to you by Argyle Life. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, like on Facebook and keep up to date with all things Argyle by checking out www.argyle.life. As always, with all listens, old and new, we really appreciate if you could leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. Every rating helps us beat that algorithm. See you next week. I hope we lose. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.